Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cold Feet Podcast. Join our journey as we interview people in this cold plunge and we delve on the adventure of holistic health, athletic development, barefoot education, washing the norm, and so much more. So dive in, grab a hot cocoa, and enjoy the episode. Before we start our podcast episode, we would like to give a brief shout out to our podcast sponsors. Most shoes harm your mobility by over-restricting your foot's natural movement. With the Ursus from Barefoot Athletics, a shoe designed with minimal restrictions, your feet can move the way nature intended, so you can move with more confidence and strength in every step. Barefoot Shoes was founded by Chris Duffin, who attributes proper foot biomechanics as foundational to his success in squatting and deadlifting over 1,000 for reps. He created Barefoot Shoes to provide a minimal shoe designed for strength athletes. Go to barefoot.shoes slash TBSR to check out the Ursus and you can save 10% with the code TBSR10 to purchase the strongest minimalist shoe available. As a gym owner, I usually lift barefoot. When I can't lift barefoot, I love lifting in my barefoot shoes for both the health benefits of lifting barefoot and the increased ground feel I have in all my lifts. You don't need supplements to build muscle, lose fat, and get healthy, but the right ones can help. That's why over 350,000 fitness folk have chosen Legion. Well, that and their 100% natural products, their clinically effective ingredients and doses, and their no-hassle money-back guarantee. I've been following Michael Matthews, the CEO of Legion Athletics Journey, since 2012, and I am super duper impressed with their supplements. They have a wide variety of everything from protein powders, pre-workouts, post-workouts, omega-3s, and bundles. And you can save a whooping 20% with the discount code HABER, H-A-B-E-R. So just log in to legionathletics.com, and the discount code is HABER for 20% off. Earthrunners are some of my favorite minimalist sandals. Earthrunners were created to rewild our lives in response to the typical modern domesticated lifestyle, which is causing numerous health, psychological, and social issues. Through rewilding and grounding, we aim to bring stronger, healthier, and more resilient individuals and communities back to our society. If you're not familiar with grounding, grounding is exposing your bare feet or body to the earth beneath you. And if you're unable to do that, you can ground with sandals like Earthrunners with their unique copper plug and copper laces. Grounding has a huge display of benefits such as reducing inflammation, improving sleep, and improving happiness. So you can check out Earthrunners at earthrunners.com and you can use our discount code of TBSR10 to get 10% off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cold Feet Podcast. Today, I have the privilege to have the one and only Anna from Wildling Shoes, and I'm so happy to meet her face-to-face. I heard rumor has it that her and her husband, Ron, are Israeli, so we got the whole Israeli barefoot crew, you know, with some questions that we're going to ask you later in the show, and Anna, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, yes, thank you so much for for inviting me to the podcast. I'm really happy to be here. Um, well, I'm um, we founded Wildling um, together um, in 2015. So that's we. That's my husband Ran, whom I met in Israel. And um, yeah, we got married there. Our three kids were born there, and um, they grew up barefoot most of the time. So um, in 2013, we moved back to Germany. Um, 
to be near my family. And um, when we got here, our kids needed shoes. So that was kind of the start and the beginning of Wilding. And yeah, we, we founded this together and we're running the company. Um, and, and yes, that's me. Here we are. Wow. So it's it's funny. It's funny you're saying that. I'm saying almost every successful company starts out from a personal demand. Like you had a need, you couldn't find shoes for your kids, so you created a company. So the first question, if I can ask, and this is more for the Q and A at the end, but the whole Israeli tribe here, all the barefooters, were saying, I have to ask you this: um, How come you decided to do so in Germany and not uh, create uh, stores or uh, warehouses or stuff in Israel? If I can ask that straight off the bat. Right. Yeah, of course. I mean, that was basically our, um, we, we lived in Israel. I lived there for 12 years. Um, and before our oldest daughter um, went to school, we decided to move back to, to my family here in Germany. Like I'm originally from Germany. So mm. um, in Israel, we, uh, we had a, um, a gym, like Ran, mm. Ran was running a gym. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we were um, self-employed. Um, but it was really, really tough. It was really hard. Um, and we did have the idea of, you know, of, of, of creating shoes because we could see that our kids, kind of, every time we went to the city, they, they needed shoes and we could already see the problem. Um, but we just, we really didn't have the time. Like we were running, like we were chasing our, our tails kind of just to meet the end of the month. So when we came to Germany, um, what we had to leave the gym behind um, and we kind of had to start afresh. So um, there was both the need for the product and then also um, the need to, to make a living. So that was kind of what, what caused us to, to found the company here. Um, and of course we're, we're looking to, um, to branch out and to internationalize and to, to kind of like get the offer, um, the shoes to Israel too. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the time being, that's, online um but we're we're thinking of you know of of Mm -hmm. stores or something like more hands-on um Mm -hmm. of course uh on the ground so maybe at some point in the future well well we're super looking forward to that uh we have some connections there's a store in tel aviv and there's a huge fan base of you guys out here Um, as the barefoot review and living in jerusalem i'm very active in all the communities and i i founded half of them and there's there's a big fan base out there i know that it's Hard to say that there's a demand based off like, you know, Israel, because Israel is a very small country. But because Israel is such a small country and because it's such a niche audience, like you have a funnel into the 5,000 barefooters in Israel. That's a lot of barefooters for one country. Anyways, Anna, it's a privilege to meet you in person. And funnily enough, I really, really was looking forward to meet Ron as well. That will have to be next episode because I myself, I'm a trainer as well. I'm also a, a ther- uh, I'm not a physical therapist. I'm a sports therapist. And I work here with the sports teams of Israel with the national team. I also own a gym here in Jerusalem. So whenever I write an article on Wildling Shoes, <laughs> whenever I write Wildling Shoes, so I write about you guys, like, you know, Ron and Anya, because I, I got it from your website. And I always write about his journey from being like a trainer and therapist to shoes. And I think that's the greatest mix because there's many shoe companies out there who have tried to capitalize in on Born to Run. Let's just sell barefoot shoes. And then there's companies out there such as yourself right. who are taking the knowledge of fitness and the knowledge of movement and the knowledge of the physical education and creating not just a shoe, but creating a product that's uh, aligned to help your health. So that's the next question I want to ask you. And this is from Ron Cohen, who is a barefoot runner and barefoot educator here in Israel. And he asked if you can delve into ever since the born to run craze, 
there's been growing brands. And as the Barefoot Shoe Review, uh, like 10 brands reach out a week, hey, you wanna try our shoes, this, that, that. And the reality is a lot of these shoes not only don't meet the uh, healthy, you know, minimalist shoe standards, but it just seems like another guy or girl popping up and trying to capitalize in on the market. So as a minimalist shoe founder and owner, where do you draw the line between realizing that barefoot is healthy for you and barefoot is the way and a minimal issue can or can or can may, may not be part of that versus just general capitalism and just hey let's sell as much shoes as possible even though i know your company is the opposite of that because i read your side and i follow you guys but did you understand my question all right um well i think for for us and you would really love to talk to Anne about this because um that that really came from from the core of having understood that how important natural movement is and and how much like he he himself as a sports person like he, he you know he would do everything that he had been taught and he would run in a certain style and then you know he came home after like five kilometers and he would just say like ah like you know that was really not fun And then, you know, he started like deconstructing everything and, and, and trying out different things. And then he read Born to Run and then he started like running barefoot and, you know, he would just go out and not come back. And I would just sit at home, like getting really worried, like, okay, it's super hot. Did he take enough water? Where is he? Did he get lost? And he, then he'd just come back after like 10K, 15K and just say, wow, that was so great. Like it just really felt so good. Um, And then from that understanding, um, I mean, that's that's how we developed the shoes too. Like we would, you know, go, we had no clue about how to make shoes. So the first thing we did was like deconstruct everything, like take a shoe, cut it apart, like look at what is inside it. Like, what can we take out? What do we not need here? Um, and then um, from there to really like, to really build a shoe, like, just trying to imagine how that should feel in the end. Like we, we didn't, you know, we didn't try to like, okay, that's a conventional way to make shoes or that's a conventional way, but we kind of said, okay, that's how it has to feel. And like, what are the materials that we could use or how, how does the outsole, like what kind of, what can we take off? Like, basically that was the biggest question. Like, what can we take off? What does, what does it not need? Like, what's the absolute minimum, like bare necessity that, you know, will keep this product kind of on your foot. Um, and I think that kind of, I mean, that's stuck with us, um, plus the sustainability aspect, like how can we do this product? I mean, in the beginning it was for the kids. So that was also obvious, like, how can we make a product for kids if we kind of like go and ruin their future, like while doing so. Um, but still now also that, you know, it's a shoe for the whole family and, and for everyone. Um, it, it's still the, the biggest question, like, how can we do this in a really sustainable, even regenerative way? So that's it really long journey and and from this also um arise like a lot of questions like um how do we communicate with customers to not push a product onto them that they don't need you know how much how many shoes do we actually need how can we make a shoe that you can use for you know almost everything like one one pair of shoes for you know you want to go to a restaurant fine you want to go for 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 a run fine like you want to go to the gym also okay like how can we do that um And also how can we communicate in a way to not make people feel that they need something that they don't actually need. So I think that's a really important balance. And also how can we make a product that we can still, you know, that we can be proud of and that we, we know we're on a journey to making a better product, like with each month that passes or each season that passes. So um, 
So yeah, I think just hopping on a train and try, trying to sell as much like it, the same goes for for costs. You know, like if we were um, running the business like you know like you you are taught in business school, then then you need to reduce your costs the whole time, right? Like you scale up, you reduce costs because you have more power. You can go to your suppliers and everything, and you can just force them to lower the costs. So that was something that we we have never done, like never. Like our costs go up, they don't go down. Because, you know, like we have better relationships with them. We see, you know, that they need better pay or we want a better, an even better material than, than before. So that's an attitude, I guess, that stands behind it. And it's a question of how you want to do business. No, I can't hear you. How's it now? Yes. Awesome. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I recently had a, I have a road wireless mic, which I use in my podcast, if you're familiar, and it just stopped working. So to get it back to America and return, it's so complicated, as I'm sure you could know. So I've been relying on my earbuds, even though I try not to use Bluetooth in general because of the harmful effects. Sometimes you stuck with it in a pinch. Anyways, what you said really warms my heart because you're basically describing the opposite of capitalism. So instead of constantly releasing like, here's the Tanuki 2 and here's a new upgrade and here's this shoe and you know it's it's 1% better here buy a new one the the message that I've got from your website from your emails from corresponding with your staff on Instagram is no don't buy our shoes if you have the shoe and it's working for the gym for a Friday night dinner and you're going out casual please stay with it until it wears down and and your newest project even if it wears down please repair it don't buy a new one which is awesome because that's sustainability, and it really ties into your philosophy of like, you use you, I don't know who made up the term a part of the regeneration. Can you like, yes. can you c clarify what that is or or what its message is for the world? Well, we um, thought a lot, or we're thinking a lot about sustainability, but it kind of feels that all together as a global community, we've come to to a place where sustaining things at the status quo is just no longer enough. Um, we've come so far that it's it's, really, um, it's just not sufficient. Um, you know the the kind of like let's reduce harm as much as we can, or let's you know let's buy buy neutrality. Like, like just it's just not enough. So what it needs now is actually something that will you know an, an approach that will regenerate something that will give back possibly more in the beginning than than you're taking, or at least as much. Um, that will renew things, that will enhance things. So um, the question is how to do that as a company. So the question we're asking ourselves is basically how does an ecosystem work? Like if you look at an ecosystem, how, how does that actually function? Like how does it work in a circle? And how can we do the same thing? So how can we, for example, by cultivating um, fibers that we later need for the textiles, by cultivating those in a regenerative agricultural system, can we enhance soil health? Um, can we enhance the water retention, the, the carbon um, retention in the ground? Um, can we, you know, create more biodiversity and, and more resilience of a system? So, for example, that would be an approach for, for the cultivation. But the same goes, for example, for, for the whole like supply chain. How can we, you know, reuse um, resources as long as possible through repairs, through recycling, um, how can we work in a sustainable or in a regenerative way um, 
for example, how can we, um, how do we get as much energy from our work as we put into work? Like, how can we create a company culture that that would be the setup? Um, mm. that, you know, you know what your strengths are, you know what you love to do. So when you get to work, you actually also get energy back from it. You don't just, you know, like put all your energy in there until you burn out. Mm. Um, the same goes for finance. Like what is a just and, and like a regenerative way of using finance? Like money is not a bad thing, but the question is, what do you use it for? Like, does mm. it actually create something good? Um, or, or, you know, is it just there to accumulate more power um, in the end? So I think that's, that's like being part of a regeneration is, is what we really set out to, to, to do, to look into each um, area of the company, into, into anything that we do, to ask ourselves, like, is that how an ecosystem can function? Like, is that in a circular way of doing things? And to be part of a regeneration means that we know, like, there's no way anyone can solve this by themselves. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of getting together, radically collaborating, sharing knowledge, sharing the energy also to, to, to get together and to move things um, towards like a better place. So that's, um, that's our slogan. And that's, wow. Dude, I mean, that, that's huge. I, I, I always, I always thought I understood it. I kind of, you know, ecological and also I see your message. It's very like, um. Uh, loving others, friendly to everyone, you know, no, um, no room for racism, no room for anti-Semitism, like just loving people. But what I'm understanding now is that welding is not just a shoe company. It's a, it's a passion. It's a, it's a, it's a life. It's a spirit. Like I, we're very similar in that aspect is that I don't work for money. I work because of passion. I work because I want to make change. And you're telling me as a big company, not just, you know, you and Ron, I'm sure you have a very large staff is that you're trying to bring this passion and change into everything, the product, the workplace, the money, the way it's, it's just beautiful. I mean, it really, for anyone who's listening to this podcast, like you're not just buying a product to put on your feet, you're buying a piece of love. <laughs> you're buying like, your, no, you're buying your creative and passion and, and thought and wisdom and I can't even think of other words and spirit that you put into this product to make a lasting impact in the world, which is a beautiful thing. So Thanks for doing for doing that. Um, you kind of answered a few of the questions people asked already. People said like, "Hey, when are you making you know dress shoes? And when are you making hiking shoes? And when are you making rugged shoes?" So you kind of said we kind of want a shoe that fits every bill. And and to be honest, as a customer of yours, I I uh, your your orange shoes, the bright orange ones, remind me what they're called. To, oh, gone. Oh, so I've worn them to like a formal, you know, Shabbat dinners. Like I've worn them to like a religious Friday night dinner with my white and black clothes and it popped and it was awesome. I've also worked out in them and I've also run in them. So like I'm, I'm living, I'm living what you preach. I'm happy about that. But for the people who asked about there, um, we have two main communities with questions that I'm active in. One is called Barefoot IL. It's Barefoot Israel. We have a WhatsApp group, Facebook group. And another one, which I'm the strength, uh, strength and mobility coach of is called Barefoot Crew 5K. And they run a barefoot five, barefoot 5K every Thursday. So I posted in both groups, hey, guys, I'm doing an uh, interview with Anna if you have any questions. So um, the, a lot of the repetitive themes were, does Wildling plan on releasing any more like hiking-specific shoes, like maybe more rugged sole, more traction, more waterproofing? And along that line, does Wildling plan, despite what I said about wearing these to Friday night dinner, is there any plans for releasing like very, very dressy shoes and the like, or just different types of models that might exist? Yeah, I mean, um, 
we are working on some additions to the portfolio that we felt mm. were missing. So, I mean, the, the biggest question when we go to develop a new product is, is it really needed? Like, mm. does it really make a difference? Is mm -hmm. that really a function that we believe um, we need to offer? So actually, at the moment, we're, we're even more going into the, like, let's, let's focus on the core, let's stick to the core, like what mm -hmm. are the essentials? Like what is something that we really feel um, we have to offer that it's really something that you need in your, in your shoe portfolio. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, you know, whatever is handle is just different from like a closed shoe, that's for sure. So maybe you need that and maybe you need something like a rain boots, maybe you need mm -hmm. something, you know, for different, like very different types of, of use. But to kind of stick to the to the core functions, so we're setting up an essentials portfolio so that we can also um, have a smaller amount of products that we can then focus on making them fully circular because that's mm. kind of a long journey. And and the better we know the shoes and the better we know the materials and everything, the the more easy it will be also to find ways to recycle them and so on and so forth and to improve them also the fit or the function. Um, are you still there? Because I, yeah. I don't see you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and um, the the other thing, as I said, like is is okay. We, we know that the portfolio that we have is is not it's not complete yet. So there are a few additions that will will actually launch um, this year and next year. Um, and um, yeah, with that, we're also working on water permeability, for example. Like it's one of our biggest. Um, challenges to do this in a, in a sustainable way mm. um, but yeah we're working a lot on, on that in order to give some some improved um, um, function on that and I think with that actually um, yeah it's a bit of a different outsole too so I think for example for hiking like that that will mm. be perfect um, so yeah, I mean, the answer is yes and no. Um, we're working on on the essentials and on some like very important additions and especially on improvements of the existing portfolio. Wow, thanks for sharing that insider scoop. So for those listening, we got a little bit of a different soul. Speaking of souls, uh, your tabby soul is one of the coolest souls I've encountered. Uh, as the beverage review, I've tried probably 70 to 80% of the brands out there. Um, it's hard to keep up because every week another brand pops up or a conventional brand uh, creates a more minimalist friendly version. Usually their last is too narrow and then feedback round two feedback doesn't sound so sustainable, but the tabby soul is super unique. Uh, I know earth runners is also like super into tabby souls and you know, their thong strap also like splits the big toe and the other toes. But can you speak a little bit about why you chose to do that type of soul and how perhaps it affects our, biomechanics walking running well um the outsole was it was a funny design process actually because because we didn't know anything um and, and we we are not designers ourselves so we kind of needed people who could translate our vision into you know products so the design process was actually working with um a wonderful designer who's now part of our team and we're really proud to have him but um, back then, um, I found him online, and um, he's an Italian guy, and he uh, had worked in the States, um, also for big brands, like quite a lot. And then he um, he moved to Mexico because he he kind of didn't want to be part of that whole you know commercial world anymore. Mm. So we found him there, <laughs> and he kind of took on the project. And we emailed back and forth, and we kind of said, okay, that's you know what we're imagining, and can you help us like put this into you know a design? 
So with the outsole, we basically, I mean, run like with like from a biomechanical point of view, kind of like try to see, okay, like, first of all, where do we need protection? Like what are the, you know, the, the parts that will get in touch with the ground? So the foot needs protection, but the shoe as well, like the materials need protection. So where do you need an outsole from that point of view? What kind of traction do you need? Like which directions do you need traction? So that was what kind of, you know, put up the pattern of, of the outsole. And then we kind of said, okay, where does the foot flex? In which directions does the foot flex? And how does it flex, for example, differently when you, when you really bend your toes, um, there is a different kind of, you know, like spread actually of the foot that if you have, you know, an outsole that will cover the whole shoe and that is not too wide so that, you know, you have like all the space inside because then the shoe just wants it comfortably. Like that's something that an outsole that, that doesn't have the gaps that our outsole has cannot do. Like usually it will restrict the shoe and, 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 this, and the foot in, in this part. So yeah, we kind of went and we had this cardboard like drawing and, you know, we did like footsteps on the cardboard and then we kind of like, you know, tried to trace it. And yeah, from a very like weird model, then our designer kind of did this beautiful like outsole shape that we kind of like immediately both of us said, okay, that's it. That's what we need. Um, so um, yeah, that's, that's the, the, the story. And I mean, the, the tabby um, toes in the front they don't have that much of a function. Like there's also, a, a, there's a split. Um, so yes, it, it should offer um, some more flexibility also for the big toe because um, yeah, that's something that I think is is the, the biggest problem in a conventional shoe that you can't use the force and the, the anatomy of your, of your big toe. Um, but that's also a kind of like, it was just also there to like aesthetically to kind of like, make people aware of mm. you know yeah i mean this the design kind of shows you um you know there's the big toe that's the space it needs um and also of course it's it, you can see it and you will recognize it so it's also like it has a visual like recognition effect mm. so if you see a shoe and you see the outsole you know it's a walling shoe right i know that there's been some talk about like the japanese are very popular they love the split tabby like it's actually a, a yeah. but Similar to Vibram's five fingers, not everyone wants that aesthetic, right? Wilding does it very subtly. Like you wouldn't even notice that it's a tabby sole if you don't know to look for it. Um, it's funny that you're the way you're describing things, but just from describing like the ethics of the company and how your shoe is made, you're like checking off all the questions that were asked already. Um, people asked how you manage to make a shoe look so good. That's minimalist. So super cool compliment. But yeah. if you can somehow, I mean, you kind of answered it already, but your shoes are beautiful. I mean, the colors, they're popping. Like, what's the secret if you're allowed to share on the podcast? Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's really nice to hear because um, we, we hear a lot of, like, for a lot of people, it's really the design is different. And I think, I mean, that's, that's completely fine. And I think we just need to um, be patient and uh, wait for people to recognize what a beautiful is and, and what a shoe should look like. I think we're just so used to, you know, all these really narrow pointy um, shoes that once you've understood how, how bad they are for your health, um, you will actually not, you know, you will always see that in a shoe that is narrow and pointy. So, um, I mean, yeah, our shoes, um, I think we develop, um, I mean, the original design was kind of to have this 
kind of funky outsole that is different and you know that's that's kind of like has a bit of a futuristic look to -hmm. combine that with a very um like a a classic design in the upper so we kind of looked for a very like kind of even a nostalgic design like what what are you know the, the the classic shoe designs out there and we tried out several things and we kind of ended up with this one um, to kind of have it between casual and sporty. And usually our designs are developed. I mean, we have a small team um, here in Cologne um, and our team usually works remote. So everyone works from home. Um, that team, of course, also has a studio where they meet up um, regularly because you need to, you know, you need to see the colors, you need to feel the textures and stuff. So that's a kind of hands-on design job. Um, so we develop the designs um, mainly th- through the materials like we go from for natural materials and kind of say okay what is the characteristic that we want so for example for summer it would be a paper fabric because that's super light and super breathable and and that just makes a lot of sense to use for summer it's also like highly water permeable so it's not the ideal shoe for winter so what what do we do in winter like let's say okay how does wool feel like and and can wool actually be um, a sustainable answer to um, to a certain functionality that we want to have. So, and then we develop a lot from there, like from the natural characteristics of the of the material, like how can we weave it in a certain way that it will have a certain pattern or how can it be more sturdy? How can it be more durable? So a lot of um, that kind of comes, um, comes from the material itself. Um, and um, yeah, and of course, I mean, then you have the team and depending on what they get inspired by, like it's a certain, like we, we try to use as little dyes as possible, but um, that's still kind of a journey and still also not really out there. Like it's something that we're working on also in the background to have a lot of undyed or unbleached um, fabrics mm-hmm. because that's, that's more sustainable. Um, but also to, to see, okay, what, what is their nature? What colors does nature offer? Um, but also here and there, of course, like what, what's the what's the color that we just want to have this spring or something like that. So the team kind of um, is very creative in, in that direction. Yeah, wow. I mean, thanks for enlightening us with that. I personally, I own the um, orange one. Remind me the name of it? Ogon. Ogon. Ogon, yeah, I love it. It pops. It's Wild things in general are some of the, I mean, you know this, but me being a fanboy, they're probably the lightest, most flexible, lightweight shoes on the market. Like there's, 30, 40, 50 brands out there, but you really did create a unique product. You didn't get swallowed up by the other, you know, kajillion brands that have popped up in the past five years. Um, I also have the fur ones, the green boot, which I really like for the winter. Uh, I'm more of a barefoot, like I run barefoot, I hike barefoot, so I'm less likely to wear boots. But if it's winter, like when I went to Denmark for work, I brought them with me as my only shoe because they're so versatile. Like even though they're warm, they can be worn in a, a hotter day as well. And then my wife has your most unique shoe, in my opinion, the Tanuki the non-bleached one. So that's just like, you're literally tying into your message that you said 20 minutes ago, you're wearing a piece of art on your foot. You're wearing something that has done zero harm to the planet, to the to the world, and still understanding that shoes do take product, like we can't make a shoe out of air, but unbleached, even I liked how the eyelets were not even made out of like metal or plastic, they're just part of the fabric. It was my wife, it's my wife's favorite shoe, so thanks again for that, I appreciate it a lot, although you've you're probably not involved in the shoes coming my way, but we appreciate that. Sean and Sarah, that's my wife. Um, the next question I have is, any plans to make a wider, wider last or wider sole? Because your shoes are not narrow, but people who have wider feet will have trouble fitting into them. Yeah. 
Um, well, actually, I think we have even more people um, with narrow feet that uh, you know that that would love to have a more narrow um, mm, shape. So it's yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, I think we kind of cover um, uh, a lot in the middle, um, and but yeah, of course, there's always the margins like on the very wide feet, and also people mm. kind of used to having that space, um, yeah. and then people either not used to having that space or having really narrow feet, like especially mm. women. Um, so yeah, we're thinking about it. Like usually what we want to do is to kind of solve it through the material. So for example, we have the Nebula, um, which is a knit um, shoe and we're developing like other um, knit models at the moment um, to, because that, that material will kind of have a lot more give. So you can, you know, you can wear that shoe um, um, if you have a narrow foot or if you have a really wide foot in it, it will mm, just adapt. It will stretch. Um, so that's kind of something that we're also trying to do while optimizing like fits. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, that's always, it, it's kind of a big question because um, let's say if you offer a shoe in different widths, um, you have to offer it in the whole, you know, the whole range. So right. it's kind of, there's a lot of sizes and like there's quite a big investment also because the different last developments, the different outsole development. Um, and then in the end, like, we're not that sure whether we will confuse people more, you know, because like, okay, what am I, like, am I wide, am I narrow, what, like, what? Mm. Um, so, yeah, maybe um, we'll rather try to solve it through, like, a, a pattern and a material. Um, and yes, definitely. I mean, that's something that we need to look into, so to, to make it, um, yeah, more available, even for, for people who have, you know, who are outside uh, uh, a certain range. Do you have any physical location stores where people can try the shoes on in Germany? Uh, yeah, right now in Germany, yeah, in Berlin, in Cologne, and where we live, which is the countryside, like near Cologne, um, we have our warehouse here. So uh, we also have, like, we included a store where you can also, you know, you can buy B quality or some, some things that we cannot sell online. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, yeah, I mean, that's... Um, that's a nice concept because you can also use these physical stores as, you know, networking, like for networking events and, you know, to kind of meet people because like we're not meeting that much like with our own team and mm -hmm. with our online community. So that's also kind of um, an opportunity to, to get to know each other better or to, mm -hmm. you know, discuss important um, topics. But yeah, in Israel, so far, we don't have one. So well, we're looking forward to seeing you. I'll be in Europe for next week. I'll be in, I think, Germany, Germany, Austria, uh, Finland, and uh, Switzerland. So if it's no anywhere, within, I know Germany is a big place, but if it's anywhere within my vicinity, I would love to stop by. I think that the sizing is. Pro you're you're the expert. You're the shoe owner company. I'm just uh, Sean. It lives in Jerusalem, but I think the biggest barrier for people is sizing. Because even with the sizing charts, especially what you said about like wide, narrow last, wide last, the more details on the site, the more it gets confusing. And if you have to pick between sizing and width and uh, shoe volume, it's just like overwhelming me as well. I think that even with what, even with even though you have the perfect printed charts, because not every brand is equal. So like a 41 by you guys will be a 42 in another brand. It'll be 43 different brand. It's overwhelming. It's confusing, and that causes a lot of returns and frustrations. And People, people literally come to me. I'm not a shoe store. I'm just the Barefoot Review. People come to me just to try on shoes so they can order it from whatever, Wildings, Barefoot, whatever it may be. So that's cool. Um, there is one store in Tel Aviv. Maybe we can make, I don't know if you've ever corresponded with him, but 
Maybe even Shachar, maybe he can stack your shoes if that's a good. Uh, yeah, we, we've we've been talking with Shachar. The problem um, with our shoes is that um, they are so expensive in the in the production because right. um, the production, the fair fair conditions, because they are really really high quality materials. So mm -hmm. I agree. Um, it's really hard to fit in a retail margin like I that. Agree. Really, yeah, that's that's really a problem. I get it. I mean, I mean, I. As a customer and, you know, being, you know, rubbing shoulders with all these brands and hopping on podcasts with Anna and stuff, I don't think barefoot shoes are expensive. I think your health is worth, is priceless. And I'm more than willing to pay whatever it may be for a quality product. I think people's view of money is warped. You know what I mean? Like a good shoe, let's say the Tanuki, 100 euros for, for, for a shoe that's high quality materials will last you a really long time, sustainable product. Of course, it's worth it's worth more money. Like, but then retail obviously will, it might bump up the price too much, and Israelis are always trying to like, you know, get a hanachot and stuff. I had, I I don't want to end the podcast with this, so I'll let you end it. But I give lecture, I give seminars to certain corporate companies here about barefoot education, and one of them just like a corporate company, okay, a huge company said, "Can we get a discount?" I'm like, "No, you're a corporate company. I'm a small business. Why would I give you a discount on public speaking?" Like. Like they have zero respect trying to always to hustle. And I was a little bit like, yeah, that would never happen to me in America or Europe. But uh, I'm going to end on something positive. So, Anna, can you please maybe sum up or one shining message for those listening? Oh, my God. Um, that, that's a tough task. Um, well, we've been on this incredible journey um, because of everyone who's been part of this, like especially our community, our, our customers who've kind of um, helped us um, build this incredible thing. <laughs> and um, it's, um, it, it's been fun, like every step of the way, like we're learning something new every day and we're learning from and with each other. Um, and I do, I do think that um, all together we can, we can really shape something um, that is different. Um, so that's what we're really out there to do and what we're looking forward to, like to, to connect with people, to share knowledge, to kind of um, try and create a different kind of economy, try and create a different kind of health, like through products. Um, and we're really grateful for all of these people who've been like part of this journey so far and who will join us in, in the next steps. Thank you so much for coming on. The Zoom's about to end. So I appreciate you so much. Happy hanging out with you. I guess we can continue corresponding via email. And uh, thanks so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with our audiences out there. Thank you so much. It's been Peace fun. Out. It was Thank so nice to meet you. Looking forward to meeting Ron as well. Peace out. Hey, I'm Sean and I'm the Barefoot Athlete. And I want to welcome you on this six-week Barefoot Transition course. Two and a half years ago, we started developing this course and we wanted it to be 12 months long. Why 12 months? Because we felt that if you just spent dozens of years in cushioned shoes, you can't transition that quickly. Realizing that 12 months is not sustainable, we shortened it to six weeks. And in these six weeks, you're gonna dive into foot, knee, ankle, hip, shoulder mobility. You're gonna dive into calf, ankle, knee, hip strengthening. You're gonna learn how to take care of your feet, how to release them with tons of soft tissue work. After the first phase is over, after the three weeks are done, your pain is gone, your knees, your hips, your feet are feeling great, ready to rumble, move on to the advanced stage. We learn how to land, we learn how to jump, we learn how to produce force and absorb force. Every single week is action-packed with play, fun, 
challenges to challenge yourself, your friends, your loved ones, and your community. Tons of strengthening, tons of footwork, and we can guarantee you that in six weeks' time, you will be much, much closer to being able to fully love life and live life in minimalist footwear. And the best part of it all, you're not limited to six weeks. So if you want to go back and repeat a phase, you're more than welcome to. So let's go, come along, and enjoy the course.